everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, Carrie Parker, and we've got part two of our interview with David Reese from Malwarebytes, previously of the EFF. We were talking about privacy, uh, as we often do on this show, and we kind of left it off with a little teaser last week, and, and you know, is there anything to do? Is there anything, uh, is it even worth trying to hide our tracks on the web these days? Because it's just so many ways that we are tracked, and it's just unbelievable. Um, so... Uh, we're going to pick up with the, the, that interview in just a minute and, and get his answers to that and give you all sorts of fun new resources. And we'll talk about re- you know legislation and, and, and some other things that, that might be remedies as well. Uh, thorny issues, and it's not, it's not black and white. Um, so uh, it's really interesting discussion. We'll get to that in just a minute. Howard, before we do, I uh, do have some news that I want to pass along right away, uh, just in case. Uh, if you happen to have an older Microsoft Windows-based uh, system. And by that, I mean something running Windows XP, which is really old at this point, uh, or even Windows 7, uh, because Windows 7 is popular as it was, and it's still popular. I think I saw somewhere that it's still 33% uh, of Windows machines out there today are still running Windows 7, which Microsoft has declared they will stop supporting as of February next year. So uh, you really need to be moving up to Windows 10 for a lot of reasons. But if you still have a system running one of those things, then you should definitely make sure that you go get the latest Microsoft security patches. I don't know that it's certainly for Windows XP. I think you're going to have to go get them manually. You're going to have to. So try um, You could try going through the Windows update mechanism and see if you can pull them from there. If not, you may have to go directly to the Microsoft site uh, and search for Windows uh, XP security updates. Uh, same thing for Windows 7. I'd start by trying to go through the regular update procedure and make sure that you request uh, all software updates. And uh, if you don't see a security update come down, uh, then I would definitely go check the Microsoft site directly and make sure that you've got all the Windows 7 updates that you that you need. Because there's been a really bad bug found in, again, actually, in the Microsoft Desktop Remote, uh, remote Desktop Protocol. And... This, if you remember WannaCry, which was ravaged the internet a few years back, this is like that in, in that it's a worm. And it's a, a worm is a particular kind of virus that can spread all on its own without any human interaction whatsoever. It just, it just travels through the network. It finds vulnerable, com- vulnerable computers on the network, infects them, and moves on to the next one. So all you really would need to have is a computer that is exposed to the internet directly to the internet, and I'll explain why that's not really that common, uh, and yet it is, <laughs> um, uh, or be on a network, uh, like in somebody's home, in someone's business, at a coffee shop maybe, uh, where some other device on that network has been infected, and then you could be infected uh, by just being on the network. That's all you have to do. We'll talk about this a little, you know, maybe I'll talk a little bit more next week, but this, this will pretty well cover it. Just make sure that you're updated. There's there's actually a search engine for computers that are connected to the internet, and it's called Shodan, uh, that we've seen. If you go to that search engine now and just basically do a search and find all the Windows 7 or Windows XP devices that are currently directly connected to the internet, it's almost a million devices. That's a lot. Um, and a lot of these older devices just don't get updated. I mean, obviously, right? Whoever's running these systems is keeping them on completely unsupported old versions of Windows. And so, you know, they're obviously not the kind of people that like to keep up to date, which is spells disaster if this 
gets loose, it's really just a matter of time. And while, and we could have a lot more problems like we had with WannaCry. And while it may not infect you directly, it may, I mean, I, you know, some of these systems got into old systems at hospitals and, and businesses and things that really wreak some havoc. So anyway, the, the, the key here is if you are still for some reason running Windows 7 or Windows XP on some computer, particularly if some, for some reason that computer is directly connected to the internet and not behind a firewall, uh, then you absolutely positively might need to get your um, system updated right away and get the latest security patches. Of course, if you have the opportunity, I would just say go ahead and upgrade to Windows 10, uh, and then that will keep you up to date automatically, and you won't have to worry about this. All right, so that's that's my important news flash, news bulletin for the week. And uh, now let's go ahead and get back to the second part of our interview with David Reese from Malwarebytes, and let's talk about what we can do to protect our privacy. <laughs> Okay. Um, now, you know, in our daily lives, we basically leave a trail of digital exhaust, footprints, breadcrumbs, wherever <laughs> you, want, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use everywhere, everywhere we go. So yeah. is it, you know, is it really possible, I mean, to, to prevent this or even meaningfully curb it? I mean, is in the world we live in today with all the things that are going on, it, you know, I know we can take some steps and they're worth taking, but mm. can, is it, is it possible to, to not leave a trace? Yeah, I think it's, um, so the question's interesting because I, I think there's I think there's equal parts to it that are like ideological and equal parts to it that are practical. Mm-hmm. Um, because like when I hear a question like that, my immediate reaction is like, of course it's worth the effort, mm-hmm. right? Of course it's worth trying to protect yourself and to protect your online data um, because we ha- we have to like we 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 have to do that we. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to make sure that we're not being needlessly surveilled um, mm-hmm. by large corporations that are vacuuming up our data. In terms of is it practical or is it possible, I think technology has become such uh, so intertwined with our daily life that, you know, even for someone who really wants to separate themselves, you know, from leaving a digital trail it's become nigh impossible to still function in today's world. Uh, And there's an excellent series out there um, by a journalist whose name I'm blanking on, um, Kashmir Hill. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she tried to, she she did. She did give essentially a trial run of separating herself from the big five companies. And that included, uh, I believe, Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, and maybe Microsoft. and she said it was so surprising how difficult it really was to just function, to just email people, to yep. eat. It's like she still had to, she still had to do her job every day, you know. <laughs> right. And she said that it was uh, particularly difficult, interestingly enough, just to record interviews because she had been using a tool that I think uh, relied on crowd, like cloud storage provided by Amazon right, Web Services, right. and she just couldn't rely on it anymore. And it was like, what do I do to send this document to someone? Because now I can't rely on platforms like like cloud sharing platforms. Um, and so again, is it is it worth the effort? I think it is. Is it possible? I think as every day increases, as every day goes forward, uh, we're finding that it's that it's not. 
Well, it's funny you bring up that article because I read that series too, and I've actually uh, reached out to Cash Hill, and and um, hmm. and she is hopefully going to come on the show and and speak to that sometime because it was really <laughs> okay. truly a fascinating series, and the yeah. lengths that she had to go to because there's just things you don't think about um, that are using these behind the scenes that it's it's extremely hard to avoid. But the yeah. other the other thing I think is you make a good point is and and a is it's you know some people say well if you don't like this stuff just to get off the grid it, like <laughs> that that is not a practical no. answer that is that is no. you just that's you can't just not participate in society no um yeah you can't do it i couldn't do my job you know right. i couldn't i i likely couldn't uh, not likely i couldn't be on this interview at all right now or we're on skype which right. is provided by microsoft like it would just um Everything would be so much harder to do. I'm sure I would probably start thinking that using a fax machine was attractive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So another question for you. How, you know, how can we and my audience as layman review and compare different products and services with respect to privacy? Because it's, you know, you can try to dig into the privacy policies, but they're just horrendous. You know, yeah. is there, you know, what hope do we have um, without you know, sort of some sort of regulation of being able to evaluate. I mean, because if you want the quote unquote free hand of the market to work, then <laughs> you've got to have information. You've got to be able to make an informed decision. And I, I feel like we just, we don't even have the tools to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great question. And it's something that, uh, at Malwarebytes, we consider quite a bit internally. Uh, we want to know how we can really signal to users that we care about privacy. And so obviously a little biased here, you know, I work, uh, in the content writing team, and so I'm writing on the Malwarebytes Labs blog. But part of part of me personally thinks that a way to signal to users and to consumers and to to people to people really that a company cares about privacy is writing about it, um, mm. and it's saying the things that a lot of companies aren't saying. You know, and so since I've been here, you know, it's 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 publishing articles where we say that you know Google failed users by not disclosing that a microphone was in their Nest device. And it's, it's saying that certain federal privacy legislation that's on the table right now uh, could actually harm users. And it's, uh, it's diving deep into Facebook's history to lay out why so many of its users are troubled by Zuckerberg's like, sudden newfound respect for privacy. <laughs> um, sometimes it's, it's, it's saying the things that are right. Now, that's just that's just like one minor thing though, right? Like not every company has a blog, not every company has mm-hmm. a budget to hire writers, not every company can do that or support that and that makes perfect sense. And so when you want to sort of grade products for your own personal use and kind of understanding, when I was at a uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, you know, there was the who has your back report mm, and yeah. mm-hmm. while that is focused on companies that have your back against government requests, you know, overbroad mm-hmm. government requests, uh, there's often a pretty good lineup between mm. a company that is going to fight for you in court is also going to fight for you just as like a user, you know, um, mm. that they, they sort of line up pretty well. And then interesting enough, uh, Mozilla actually put out this guide, it, I think maybe in the past year or two years where they, grade products based on a scale of not at all creepy to super creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I remember that now. Yeah, and they're just looking at popular tech products and they're they're reviewing them based on how much data does the product have, like how much data can the product um, scoop up on you uh, when they collect the data, is it encrypted? And then they also look at the privacy policies. You know, they're the people out there who are actually reading those mm. pages on pages and on pages of, of privacy policies and being like, are these are these meaningful? Are these pro-user? Are they pro-privacy? Uh, and, 
you know, taking all that information and trying to say, okay, this this product right here, you know, the the Nintendo Switch, for example, I think is uh, said to be not at all creepy, but mm. uh, some like uh, home security devices are considered very creepy. And there was even this is kind of fun for a really short while. There was like a there was like a teddy bear, like a that that could I guess record or listen to kids' mm, voices. Yeah. That, that overall, everyone was like, this is too far. No way. This is super creepy. Uh, and I, I believe like Target stopped selling it and Walmart. So, and that was a large part due into Mozilla's uh, like advocacy on it. So yeah, they're, they're, they're doing that work and they're doing really well. Yeah. I'll definitely have to, I'll, I'll dig those up and put links to those in the show notes for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of terms of service? Didn't read. I have heard of it. I've never, um, I've never actually like read it or, or perused it. Yeah, that's that's another one I'll throw in the show notes as well. It's it's for those who may not be familiar with the slang TLDR or for too long didn't read is uh, usually for the executive summary. For someone sends you a link to a big long article and they said, okay, well if you if you don't want to read the whole thing, this is basically what it says. So the too long didn't read version. Uh, and so there's a there's a website called Terms of Service didn't read, which is a takeoff on that. And because the terms of service are ridiculously long and nobody ever reads them, they always just click accept. These guys have gone to the <laughs> trouble, kind of like these other ones you're talking about, of reading through these things and kind of given given all these different products and services a grade. You know, something quick and simple right. you can look at and just kind of quickly, you know, distills them down to the key elements that are important. So that's another right. site you can check out too. So you did say that, you know, you know, some companies that do the right, you know, are writing about it and kind of saying the right things, but I got to, you know, and you also mentioned this too, and that is, uh, that some of these companies say these things, but they don't meet them. So like in Google, both Google and Facebook CEOs re- very recently, uh, very publicly came out and made mm-hmm. some sort of commitment to privacy and how they want to refocus on privacy, uh, mm-hmm. and support, even going so far as supporting calls for regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to ask, what, what is your take on those? Is it a good thing? Can we trust these people? What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. And I'll talk about the Facebook one because it's just the one I know a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's, um, his, uh, his manifesto, mm-hmm. uh, where he wants to restructure Facebook to be, uh, what is it? More intimate, like, uh, a living room instead of a town. Or whatever, something yeah, like that. Of, yeah. Something like that. Right. Uh, and the, the takeaway really that, that I had and that I think a lot of people had is that the things Mark Zuckerberg said in that statement, uh, if Facebook were to actually do them, it would be good. You know, providing end-to-end encryption as the default for users across WhatsApp, across Facebook, across Instagram, um, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Like, that's huge and that's a good thing and it's a a step in the right direction, pro-user direction. Um, Allowing for you know more disappearing posts or messages, allowing for some ephemerality. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, a good thing, you know, kind of a getting rid of the digital record before it has a chance to be forgotten about and then stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even things like, hey, we're not going to store data in countries that are known human rights abusers. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of nitpicking that can go on into like, okay, well, who who determines what's a human rights abuser or not? Um, but away from that nitpicking, I mean, again, it's a it's a pro user stance, um, and so all of these things are again very good, very positive pro user things to say. But at the same time, a lot of people are sort of exhausted on Facebook's uh, yeah. promises. Um, Facebook has made a lot of promises in the past, only to literally weeks later yeah. uh, be revealed that they they weren't doing everything they could. Um, I blame absolutely no user who has given up on these large companies uh, being held to their own word. You know, I, I blame no user who is exhausted, who's tired, who 
doesn't have the goodwill in them anymore. No. And so I think the real thing here is um, we'll believe it when we see it. And if we do see it, that's a great thing. Yeah, and Facebook in particular, they've kind of had this, you know, kind of famous for having this motto of move fast and break things. And I think what, what that really kind of translates to is, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think they've basically they do everything they can until they get caught and then they apologize and they, they try to find some other way around it, which makes, you know, they've I agree. They've they've certainly broken our, our our faith too many times to expect us to just blankly trust them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say I know you know that um you know Zuckerberg has uh he recently had the Facebook conference and uh he even opened you know by trying to say like hey I know we're not the immediate company that people think about when they think about privacy. Um, I understand that he's trying to be relatable. That he's trying to be like hey look I I get it too I understand it. Um, at the same time, uh, I don't know if Facebook is the one to be making those jokes. Like that's it. Um, right. uh, Facebook is the one to, to, they have the power, they have the resources, they have the, the budget to really protect users. And I, I mean, honestly, I really do hope they go through with it. Um, yeah. because again, something as something as simple as default end to end encryption for <laughs> more than a billion users. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know, and you know, I do get jaded, but you know, faith, the idea, the concept, actually, of Facebook is still cool, and it's and, you know, <laughs> the, the the fact that it can keep people in touch over all these years and distances, and you know, share these kind of memories and thoughts and funny things and and cool ideas. I mean, the concept is still right. great. It's just and the the implementation has just gotten way too creepy. <laughs> um, the other thing I worry about um, personally is when I look at some of these things, and there was an example recently with Google, um, is that they, you know, they've announced that Google, Google Chrome, the the most popular browser on the planet, is going to start implementing some privacy anti-tracking stuff. And then, you know, on the surface, that sounds mm-hmm. good, but to me, that the thing, the jaded part of me sees this is that what, actually, honestly, what they're they're kind of doing is they're removing all the easy ways to track people and leaving all the ways that they track people. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it, it's, it, mm. I worry that, and then it also comes down to the regulation when they talk about, yeah, we want regulation. I worry <laughs> that they want to write the legislation, <laughs> you know? So it's one of those things. Um, but so speaking of legislation, legislation, um, mm-hmm. so we're talking about federal, but uh, very recently, California just passed the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCP or CCPA. Right. Yeah. Um, which has been hailed as a landmark bill. Um, and some other states are looking to follow suit, but, um, and it, you know, it has some really great protections and it. it's a really cool, um, really cool idea. I'm glad they're doing it. But a lot <laughs> of these companies, including, you know, Facebook and Google, and some of these others are complaining and basically saying, Hey, we don't want, you know, to, every state to have its own laws and us, especially, and, and they claim that small companies won't be able to do it at all, <laughs> you know, somehow find a way around it to, to implement all these different regulations and enforce them in different ways in different states. And so they're, you know, craving or they're asking for a single federal standard um, so that there's just one law for everybody and there's one thing to implement. What do you what do you think of that argument? Do they have a point? Yeah. Um, so on this point, I spoke to quite a few attorneys uh, about an area of law where they're are literally 50 state laws, and that's uh, data breach notification laws. Mm. Um, data breach notification laws are pretty simple. They're exactly what they are. If you suffer a data breach and you meet criteria A through you know, Z, honestly, um, you have to notify the people who are affected by that data breach. Uh, every single state now finally has a data breach notification law. 
but they're not identical. Mm. And so there's sometimes something like, hey, you have to notify the state attorney general. And sometimes there's like, you have to notify sort of like a consumer advocacy board. And sometimes it's like, well, if you, if uh, 500 or more were affected, you notify. And some are like, oh, if it's a thousand or more, Mm. you notify. Uh, And there's even, there's even, there's even a couple of states that's like, oh, we don't cover paper records. We only cover electronic and some cover both. Um, even in the past, you know, 30 seconds of explaining it, that's annoying. You know? sure. yes, <laughs> like, right. I, I, so I'm actually quite deferential and, and sympathetic to the argument that having to comply with 50 different laws, uh, is, is a headache. It, it honestly is a headache. It is annoying. Uh, what a lot of folks are afraid of though, particularly in the digital rights space is that if there is a federal standard, that, that that federal standard would overwrite, it would sort of overrule, right. it would nullify the current state laws. So California's actions in passing the California Consumer Privacy Act would be for nothing because a new federal rule would come in and say, hey, none of the state laws apply anymore. And so a lot of groups are very upset about that possibility. Mm-hmm. They don't want that to happen. Uh, and Instead, they want a federal bill to sort of serve as a floor, not a ceiling. And what that means is everyone complies with the federal standard. However, states are allowed to have higher standards, and those higher standards are still implemented by law. Um, There's a lot of disagreement about this, obviously. Uh, And again, it's this kind of thing where I I can honestly, I can see why a company would say, look, I don't want to have to comply with a new eight to 10 laws every single year, because it looks like, like you said, a lot of states are following California's lead and it would just be, I I have no better word for it. It would be a headache. Mm -hmm. It would be a headache and it would be extremely time consuming to probably pull out this enormous Excel spreadsheet where you're just (laughs) like, Hey, what are the requirements? What aren't the requirements? Um, that's kind of where the issue is right now. I, I, I think companies do have a point on this at the same time. I can see why a lot of digital rights, groups are afraid that a single federal bill would actually uh impair the right. state bills yeah and and i i don't know what the answer is either but the two other kind of aspects that, that, that strike me on these kind of things is one is first of all we've also if you're thinking about companies like amazon and google and facebook and twitter they're actually global companies so, so they're actually yep. it's not just even if there was a single federal U.S. law, there's several laws around the around the world they still have to comply to. So there's still yep. anybody who wants to have a global service is still going to have a, some sort of a patchwork of things they're going to have to keep up with. Right. Um, and the the second part of that, and it kind of goes to the same point, is we've actually gotten a lot of benefit uh, from laws that were passed elsewhere that aren't enforceable locally. That because <laughs> they're global companies, they end up complying with them anyway, and we all benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like the some of those data breach laws, when the, once the first one of those was done, if they announce mm-hmm. it, it's not like they could just keep the announcement to California, right? <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're right. like, shh, don't right. tell anybody outside California, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So when, they, when they're subject to that with California, everyone finds out. We all benefit. And the GDPR in Europe, the General Data Protection Regulation, has had some similar effects. So we all remember last May when it went into effect how we all got these slew of emails about we've updated our privacy policy because they had to <laughs> because of Europe, yeah. even though yeah. you weren't personally in Europe, we were all affected anyway. So yeah, boy, I, I, I don't know what the solution is either. I like the fact that in some cases we benefit from these really good privacy laws that are only in certain places. And yet mm-hmm. I, I totally get the argument as you're saying, I totally get the point that it's a real headache to try to <laughs> figure out what the, 
you know, the, the sum Venn diagram or whatever of all these various <laughs> laws is and comply with them all. So I get it. Yeah. Um, so where do, speaking of which, where do things currently stand with federal legislation, you know, vis-a-vis GDPR? Because I, I know that be, because mm-hmm. of Cambridge Analytica and some of these things, Ron Wyden and some other folks in Congress right. have been, you know, pushing some new privacy bills that, that are federal. What, do, can you yeah. catch us up on what's going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a minimum of four bills that have written have been written by U.S. senators here that have been introduced in the past year to a year and a half. And the four bills are for, again, a federal data protection law. Uh, and each bill has its own kind of approach, but the but the goal is absolutely to better protect Americans' data. Um, so Ron Wyden, like you said, from Oregon, uh, his bill would actually also introduce this idea that the um, there would be a sort of like do not track list. You know how there's like a do not call list, which mm. I think we all believe has a <laughs> certain low efficacy rate. Yes, um, yes. There would be a do not track list, which hopefully has a better efficacy rate. Um, and that would be essentially... If you sign up for this list, which is run by the government, run by the FTC, uh, companies would have to check your preferences and they would not be allowed to trade your data with third parties, Hmm. Um, which is a novel idea. Uh, Marco Rubio, actually, out of Florida, Senator Marco Rubio, has his own bill, which um, actually sort of, you know, to use the word, it it punts the football. It, um, It would it would. If passed, it would uh, require the FTC to write its own rules. And then Congress would vote on those rules, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe, two years after the passage. So that one's got a bit of a a long uh, Mm -hmm. runway before anything would happen. Uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, running for president, uh, Mm -hmm. Democratic president, she also introduced a bill which uh, focused a lot on, you know, writing clear terms of service. Those things, like we said, those end user license agreements, like, what am I agreeing to? Um, Mm -hmm. She said, hey, you know, we need a we need to have clear, concise language here, things that people can actually understand. And then out of uh, Hawaii, uh, Senator Brian Schatz uh, has a bill that has the most co-sponsors, from what I understand, about 15 co-sponsors. And that introduces this idea of a duty to care uh, in the way that um, a doctor has a duty to care about their patient's private information. Uh, it would place that same idea, that same ideology on companies which collect uh, americans data hmm. and so what i'm saying here is uh there are four there are again a minimum of four there may have been another one introduced that i just missed but there's a minimum of four bills and there is no plan to vote on any of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, that was that was my follow-up question is what the, what, are the, what are the chances this would get through the senate let alone be signed by this president and i'd say the you know I, I don't know i wonder if there really is an appetite i mean three of the three of the four uh congressmen you just mentioned were all Democrats. Only one was Republican. Right. And, right. I, you know, my, my sense is that the Republican Senate has no appetite for this, but I don't know. Maybe things are changing. I I, I don't know. We can hope. Yeah, I uh, I personally think that it's going to become an issue for the 2020 uh, presidential election for the for the race then uh, because we're nearing it and it's an issue to trumpet and it's an issue to campaign on. And of the extremely crowded Democratic uh, field right now, uh, I believe there's like 15 or 16 people running for president on the Democratic side. Uh, three of them have either sponsored or co-sponsored uh, the very bills that I spoke about. Mm-hmm. And so Klobuchar, like I said, you know, she wrote her own, mm-hmm. uh, but Klobuchar is also a co-sponsor for uh, the Duty to Care Act, that one by mm-hmm. Brian Schatz. And the Duty to Care Act is also has co-sponsors from Cory Booker, who's running for president, mm-hmm. and 
I believe his name is Michael Bennett out of mm-hmm. yep. Colorado. He's also running for president. So again, people are uh, presidential hopefuls are attaching themselves to these ideas, and I personally anticipate that uh, it might become a campaign issue. Well, I'm just happy to see this is kind of you know getting above the waterline and getting above the noise level and, and finally getting attention and getting some news media coverage. And I think that that was missing. I think that was sorely missing for for quite a while. And I, I'm I'm glad to see. You know, awareness is always the first step, and, and so I'm, I'm hopeful in that sense. Um, so this has been great. I, this has been a wonderful discussion. Thanks so much for going through it. I, I always need to end up with some sort of a call to action, though. Some sort of a, you know, what you know. So assuming we've gotten people riled up, now what? What do they? What do they do? What, what's the best way for them to kind of stay informed on these issues? And if they want to get involved, you know, how might they do that? Yeah, um, it's uh, something that you said. Just uh, just a couple seconds ago, I, I also firmly believe that awareness is the first thing, you know, and so it's uh, a lot of it is just reading. Uh, I know that doesn't sound particularly exciting, but um, but reading, I think some of the some of the sources that um, that at least you know I I still keep in touch and I still read. Uh, for example, I still read EFF. I still read what's happening with Fight for the Future, another digital rights group. Uh, I also read from the ACLU for Center for Democracy and Technology, uh, yeah. New, Amer- New America's Open Technology Institute, Freedom of the Press. These are all people. These are all advocates, uh, advocates and advocacy organizations that are trying to protect uh, privacy, uh, online privacy, trying to protect users in a constantly changing environment. And so, number one is uh, is read, is be aware, um, and uh, number two is. Uh, you know, you, you can contact your senator. You can mm. contact your representative. Um, I know that people sometimes feel like it, it isn't doing anything if they feel like they're sending an email into a black hole. <laughs> um, I also know that if you get enough people doing that and sending emails that uh, your representatives honestly do listen. And I just wanted to go back a little bit and add, you know, uh, when you're reading these groups, when you're reading uh, ACLU and folks like that, also read Malwarebytes. Uh, <laughs> yep. Ever since I ever since I came to the company, I can tell you that the reception to the pieces I'm pitching, these pro privacy, uh, pro user pieces, it's been a hundred percent. The company wants more things like this, and and we want to really signal to our users uh, that we care about them, and we also want to give them tips and guidance. Uh, it's not just hey, how do you protect your, you know, your machine, you know, from from threats and from uh, like hackers. It's also just, you know, we wouldn't have engaged in that online privacy survey if we didn't care about online privacy mm-hmm. and we didn't want to give people the tools that we thought were necessary to protect that online privacy. So there are there are organizations and companies out there that that do care about privacy and sometimes it's it's just as simple as reading what they do and and trying to find out what they think is important. Well, that's great advice. Thank you very much. And the only thing I would add to that is 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 that uh, you know, if you want to get involved and you find that you don't have the time, then pay money to people that do and some EFF yes. and ACLU and some and CDT and a lot of these other ones you mentioned uh, are great places mm-hmm. to donate some money. And mm-hmm. I will also say support products from companies yeah. that believe in these values as well. And, you know, vote with your wallet um, yep. and prefer those and support uh, the, those companies that are providing products that, that, that protect your privacy. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, David. It's always interesting. Great to have you. We'll definitely have you back in the future. Thanks so much for coming. Dude, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Agree 100%. It's always great to be here. Big, big thanks again to Dave Grease for coming back. Always love having him on the show. And that was some great information. 
chock full of resources for you to protect your privacy and some good ideas about how to evaluate, you know, companies, products, and services. That's something that it's difficult to do, uh, but he's given us some ideas there. And, you know, and I think legislation is finally coming. And I know a lot of people don't like the word regulation, but, you know, I'll just remind you of what Bruce Schneier said when he was on the show. I'm, we have these things for a reason. That's part of government's job. You know, you don't, we don't expect you as a citizen to evaluate the safety of the airplane as you get on it. You know, we've got people for that. We don't expect you to inspect your food to make sure that it's not going to poison you. We've, we've got government agencies that handle that. <laughs> that, you know, that's the reason why these regulations exist to protect us uh, and to set up, you know, a series of basic minimum standards that things need to uh, adhere to in order to be safe for the public. So, you know, yes, obviously over-regulation, burdensome regulation, need, needless regulation, those are all not good things and it makes things run less efficiently. I get that. Regulation shouldn't be a bad word. Bad regulation is a bad word. <laughs> there are a lot of regulations that keep us safe every single day that we take for granted. And uh, it's time that we have some basic regulations and guidelines and things in place with, you know, real teeth for people that don't follow those regulations who, or who egregiously produce products that are unsafe or trounce your privacy. So it's, it's, it's overdue. I hope that they do a good job when they finally bring these things out. I know that our Congress tends to have the reputation of not being able to handle technology very well, but they do hire staffers and experts and things to help draft some of this legislation. So, you know, hopefully they'll get the right people and avoid the lobbyists and come out with some, some good common sense regulations that will help keep us all safe and protect our privacy. So if you see those kind of things coming around, uh, uh, make sure you support them. Call your Congress, pe Congress people and tell them that you want, you know, some common sense regulation to protect privacy and security. And, you know, if you have a chance to go to a town hall uh, or those sorts of things, or if you have done your research and you know which candidates support this and which ones don't, make sure you support the ones that do. All right, next week we will have a news show. I've got lots of things to catch you up on. Uh, of course, at the top of the show, I did talk about the Microsoft Windows update. Make sure, again, if you've got Windows XP or Windows 7, that you get the latest security patches for that. There's some really nasty bugs that are just on the verge of being rampantly exploited, so make sure you get on top of that. Uh, if you can, just update to Windows 10. Uh, I know that it's different, <laughs> um, but to really be secure, uh, you, need to do, you need to make that move. Anyway, we'll have plenty of other news topics to cover next week. Um, lots going on. And then the week after that, probably, unless there's some major news story that comes up in between, I've got another interview queued up uh, with Eva Galprin from EFF. We're going to talk about spouseware or stalkerware or spyware. Uh, really interesting, very creepy. Uh, so, uh, and a lot more common than you'd think, sadly. So uh, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Now, one more thing, and I haven't mentioned this in a long time, um, <laughs> and it kind of shows. Uh, I, If you would like to support my efforts, the, the blog, the newsletter, the podcast, the book, uh, you know, all these kind of various things that I'm trying to do to get the word out and get as many people protected as possible. Uh, you can do so directly. Uh, you can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You can search on firewalls, don't stop dragons, and you can find my page there. Uh, I really appreciate it. Every little bit helps. So if it's something you'd like to do to kind of do your part to keep this thing going. Uh, I would very much appreciate that. Again, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And of course, there's a lot of other great 
organizations out there doing good work too. So um, if you go to my blog on firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com, if you search for donate or Thanksgiving or give thanks, I, I forget what the article is called, something like that. Uh, I've maintained an article there that kind of talks about a lot of the groups that are doing some really good work with links to their donate pages. These groups are really out there on the front lines fighting for this stuff, and, and they've made a lot of things happen for us, and you might not realize how much they've done. EFF and EPIC and the Center for Democracy and Technology, uh, ACLU, there's a lot of great uh, organizations out there doing work, and I would also also recommend that if you'd like to get involved or like to make something happen and feel like you're you know, causing change for good, that you might send those guys some money as well. All right, and that'll do it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next week, stay safe out there, and don't get caught with your garbage down.